the last um, last two weeks, we've seen a lot, haven't we? The last two weeks, we've seen a, a tornado touch down and rip a 50-mile path of destruction through our community. We have seen the coronavirus go from something that had touched lives in places we've never been to the doorstep of our city. Countries like Italy have been put in a place where they literally are having to make a decision of who lives and who dies. I can hear myself over there, Miss Tila. Countries like France, Spain, Israel have put restrictions on people even just traveling around, closing uh, restaurants, cafes, non-essential stores, adjusting travel for all of its citizens. The U.S. is continually monitoring and adjusting travel. The CDC has recommended limiting public gatherings to less than 250 people. And those who serve high-risk individuals, they've asked that they limit their gatherings to no more than 10. We've seen churches, large and small, have to close their doors to try to stem the spread of the disease. The news has been 24-7 coronavirus. We've seen people try to minimize it, and we've seen others who have gone to a place of complete panic. Maybe you've seen um, some of the viral videos. Can you hand me that clicker? Maybe you've seen some of the uh, viral videos that have went around that, um, you know, people fighting literally over toilet paper. Gone mad. What about this? It's kind of hard to see that, but this guy right here, just outside of Chattanooga, drove around the state of Tennessee about two weeks ago with a U-Haul truck, going from store to store, buying every single hand sanitizer that he could find. He has nearly 20,000 bottles in his garage now that he can't sell because he got shut down and probably will be facing some kind of prosecution for price gouging. Now, I will let you know this. He has um, said that he was looking to donate it all now. So, pray, praise God for, for that. One thing we can say for sure is this. We're living in a time like most of us haven't seen in our lifetime. While witnessing an event like this, though, may be new to us, it doesn't mean it's new, right? Ecclesiastes tells us this, that which has been is what will be, that which is done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. In other words, what we think we've seen something, when we think we've seen something so unprecedented that it's never happened before, know that it's probably not as new and unique as what we may think. The difference between the current situation, the coronavirus today, and pandemics of the past is the rate at which information travels around the world. It's the constant in-your-face, 24-7, 365 day a year news cycle that never shuts off. It's the fact that everywhere you go, everywhere you go, you see it. You know, whether you turn on your, your TV 
or you drive down the road and you hear it in your car. If you find a quiet place and turn on your phone, it's there. On your TV, it's there. In your car, it's there. Everywhere you go, it's there. It may not be new under the sun, but it's there with you all the time. And because it's with us all the time and there seems to be no escape, it has gripped people's minds with fear, anxiousness, and worry. Friday night when I got home, Rachel said, I've had such a great day today. I've cleaned the house, put up some laundry. Not that she doesn't do that normally. I'm not trying to say anything like that. She said, <laughs> she said I've cleaned the house, I've put up some laundry, and I had almost completely forgot about the news of the day until I stubbed my toe on a bottle of bleach in the laundry room. See, it's funny how when our minds are consumed with something, how it doesn't take much to bring us back to that moment. So, so even though she, she, had, she had put down the phone, she had turned off the news, and her mind was cleared, it was in a moment when she stubbed her toe on some bleach that her mind is taken back to the news cycle that says all the cleaning supplies are gone, right? Because that's what we hear 24-7. My message today isn't that we've got bleach in our laundry room. That's not for you. But it's also not ignore the current situation or the current events and bury your head in the sand. But I will tell you the things your mind focuses on will affect your emotional and your spiritual state. If your focus is continually at the news how can your mind not be affected? It may do some of you a little good to turn off the TV for an hour or two, to walk away from the phone for a moment. Maybe take some time to pick up the Word of God, to spend a little time in prayer. Maybe it's time that you would enjoy some family time. Maybe it's time that you would find something that needs to be done in the home. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us good judgment. This morning, as we continue in our, in our fearless series, I want to share a message with you out of Isaiah 43, titled, Through the Trial. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah 43, verse number 2. Isaiah 43, 2 says this, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Now, last week, we looked at verse 1 of this chapter of Isaiah, and we talked about how Isaiah was prophesying of the coming captivity that would come to the people of Israel. And in, in verse 1 last week, we talked about how the Lord says, I have redeemed you. God was reminding the people of Israel of how he redeemed them out of Egypt, but he was also speaking both of how he would redeem them out of the land of Babylon, as well as how he would redeem them through the seed of Abraham, and there would be redemption available to all mankind. And so here we have Isaiah speaking this 
back 700 years before the birth of Christ. He's speaking this prophetically of the time of captivity that was coming to the people of Israel where they would be taken into the land of Babylon. But he was also speaking of the coming Christ, the coming Messiah. And he's speaking in the past tense when he says, I have redeemed you because in God it's already done. So in this passage, Isaiah continues, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. So what is it he's saying here? What is it that Isaiah is saying to the people of Israel? Isn't he simply saying this, you will face trials. They're coming. He's saying, you are going to face trials. He, He said, when you pass through the water, when you walk through the fire, when you go through the river, he's saying, listen, there's, there's bad times coming. It's going to happen. That means this. Everything isn't always going to be easy. That means there are afflictions that are going to come your way. Again, Isaiah was speaking of the coming captivity for the land of Israel. He was saying it's imminent. It's coming. It's going to happen. But he was also speaking prophetically of the trials that would come to all people. Didn't Jesus tell us that? Didn't he say, in this, in this life, you're going to have tribulation. You will have trials. There's, it's not always going to be easy. One of the problems the Christian church has today in reaching the lost is this. We've tried to speak such things as you're never going to have a problem when you come to Jesus. And then the world sees what, yeah, the world sees what oftentimes the, what oftentimes the people of the church try and pretend doesn't exist. We got problems too. We do. We, we, we can't just pretend like they don't happen. Far too many people have taken this verse right here. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will be by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. They've taken this verse out of context, and they tried to make it into something that it was not. They've taken this passage and said, listen, if you're a Christian, no trial is going to come against you. Nothing's going to harm you. Nothing's going to happen to you. I've heard people say, if something bad happens to you, it must be a result of sin in your life, or you just didn't have enough faith to overcome. You cannot take a passage of Scripture and just use it however you want. 2 Timothy says this, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So it's time for just a little bit of teaching right now. You got to use scripture within the context that it was given. In Mark, Jesus is talking and he's giving directive for the great commission. He's giving a command to go into all the world and proclaim the good news. He's saying to, he's saying to show the world who I am, these things are going to follow those who believe. If you believe that no no bad thing will happen to believers, then you have to believe all the disciples didn't really believe either. Because guess what? They had trials. 
bad things happen to them. These things Jesus speaks of in Mark did happen, they do happen, and they will happen. You, you will lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. Those things do happen. But, but listen, they happen for the glory of God. They happen so that He may be known. Didn't Jesus use this in context of saying, listen, go and share the good news. Go into all the world. Proclaim the gospel. And as you're doing this, these things will follow. And they'll be there to be my witness. Isn't that why in Acts 2, that we're, we're told that at the Pentecost, they, the, that the Spirit was poured out and, and you would have power to do these things? It wasn't just so you could do whatever you want, whenever you want. It was to be His witness. It was, to, it was all to point to Him. Of the 12 disciples, Christian tradition tells us 11 of them died a martyr's death. But even their deaths were used to bring glory to God. Let me tell you, I don't think that as Peter was being crucified, he would say, you know what, I've never had a trial. I've, I've never had anything bad come my way. I don't, I don't think early Christians like, like Stephen, who was the first martyr who was stoned to death, would have looked back and said, you know what, it's always been a, a cakewalk, never had any problems. I don't think Paul, as he was beaten time and time again and thrown in prison over and over again, would have said, it's always been easy. Once, I, once, once that moment on the Damascus Road and I met Jesus, it's been a piece of cake ever since. I've not had an issue one day. We've got to be careful not to project our will and what we think ought to happen and say, thus saith the Lord. Because it happens far too often. When we do this and what we say is about to happen doesn't happen, what kind of witness are we? Listen, I'm not telling you not to stand on the promises of God. By all means, stand on the promises of God. Believe in the promises of God. What I'm saying is don't take Scripture out of context and try to twist it into mean something that you want it to mean. Because nowhere in Scripture are we told that trials aren't going to come our way. We're told they will. They will. You need to understand, though we will have trials, you also need to understand this. I'm way ahead or way behind on my notes here. You need to understand there is purpose in every trial. I'm way ahead. There we go. We got lots of notes to go through today. How about that? I think I just missed one of my scriptures there. I know that's probably not the word of comfort that you wanted to hear today. Listen, you're going to have trials. It's probably not what you, you wanted to hear in a fearless message. You're going to have trial. Everything ain't going to always look the way you want it to look. But listen, you need to understand there is purpose in the trials. There is purpose in the trials. 
If you don't believe that trials will ever come in the way of a Christian, number one, you're sadly mistaken. But number two, you're never going to see any purpose in it if that's what you believe. You can walk free from fear, though. But pretending trials don't come is not the way to do it. But you do need to understand purpose can be found in the trial. Romans 8.28, can you find that back there for me, Julian? Romans 8.28 says this, and, when we, and we know that all things, everybody say all things, all things. That means the good and the bad, right? All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. The problem comes, the problem becomes we try to make intellectual sense out of every bad situation. Can I tell you this? There are going to be some things that are going to happen in this lifetime. You ain't never going to be able to make sense out of it this side of heaven. You just ain't going to. It'll drive you crazy to try to make sense out of every tragedy. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said this. I communed with my heart saying, look, I have attained greatness and have gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge. And I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is grasping the wind. If you spend all your time trying to answer the question as to why, to, as to the why, in each and every tragic situation, you're going to find yourself grasping at the wind. You're going to find yourself just grasping at the wind. So here we are in the middle of what we would say is a time of trial. Where toilet paper, canned goods, and so much more has been emptied from the shelves, people getting sick and fear has a stranglehold on so many. And during this time, the enemy would love for you, for your focus to be simply on all of that. He would love nothing more than for you to spend your time consumed with the why. God, why have you allowed this to happen? God, why, why didn't you heal this one? God, why did you take that one? If he can get you focused on that individual why, he can keep you from carrying out God's intended purpose for your life. He can keep you from bringing the good news that Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. While we might not see the answer in every single scenario played out, we can look at the overall picture of trials. If we can do that for just a moment, I think we can see that there are purpose in trials. So you will have, you'll have trials, but there is purpose in trials. Trials can lead to repentance. It's often in the moment of a trial that people come to the realization that the way they are living is not the answer. Anybody been there? In a, in a moment of, of trial, of tribulation, of trouble, and it's in that moment that repentance comes. 
Though it was a trial brought upon himself, the prodigal in the midst of his trial came to the realization that he had sinned against God and against his earthly father. See, sometimes trials are brought on by us, right? Like in the case of the prodigal son. In fact, if we look over our lives, many of the times that we look, we'll see, man, that time of repentance was out of a trial that I brought on myself. Sometimes they're an attack of the enemy. Sometimes trials are God trying to get our attention. But in every trial, we can find purpose. And sometimes that purpose is to bring us to repentance. The psalmist says it this way, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. So you got to ask yourself, could the purpose of this current trial possibly, could it be to bring someone to repentance? Could it be used for that? You see, there is purpose in every trial. Trial can also bring a greater trust in God, right? Isn't it in moments of trials in your life you find yourself drawing closer to God? Isn't it moments when you don't have an answer that you find yourself leaning in closer to the one that actually does? The writer of Hebrews says it this way, So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? See, it was in the wilderness that Israel relied upon God to feed them. It was in a moment of a trial, a 40-year-long trial. But they had to learn to trust in the Lord for His help. The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. If the trial in our life does nothing more than cause us to trust God more, is there not purpose in that? First Peter says this, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We will have trials, but listen, they don't last forever. Trials don't last forever. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Every trial that brings about purification, where the things of this world are burned away, doesn't that bring us closer to God? Doesn't it make us look more like Him? Right now, in in the middle of the trial, it may not seem, it may seem like there's no end in sight. Maybe you've been experiencing your own personal trial, and maybe it seems like there's no end in sight. I'm here to tell you, Paul said, for our light affliction, affliction, which is but for a moment. It may seem like there's no end in sight, but it's for a moment. It's a moment. They do not last forever. Every trial that brings about purification, church, it makes us more like Him. We can fear not, because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Whether this trial lasts two weeks, 30 days, six months, or a lifetime, we are reminded that His life 
are that our life is but a vapor and everything is working for us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. See, while there is the purpose in the trial, that doesn't mean the trial is always going to be easy, though, does it? And because it's not easy, when we are faced with trials, when we are faced with the unknown, we are oftentimes consumed with fear. Isn't that why Isaiah was saying, fear not? Because there was an unknown ahead. There were trials ahead. They didn't really know what it was going to look like. Isn't that also why the Lord tells us, why the Word says for us as well, when you go through the waters, or in other words, when you go through the trials, I will be with you. He says, I will be with you. Even when there's trials and even when there's trouble, I will be with you. Then he reminds them in verse 3. What does he say? For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. The Lord your God, the Holy One, your Savior. Church, he's saying there's going to be trials. We're in the middle of one right now. But in the trials, know this, there is purpose in the trial. And you can know this without a doubt in the trial, God is with you. God is with you in the trial. It doesn't matter what you're facing, He is with you. The Lord your God, the Holy One, your Savior, He's with you right there in the fight. You have a promise that God is with you. Hardship will come. You may pass through the raging water, but listen, it says you will pass through. God is with you even in the hard places. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. When you pass through the waters, when times are tough, I will be with you. And through the rivers, come on, the rivers are going to rage. They're going to rage, but they aren't going to take you out. He is on your side and he is with you every day. His word says they will not overwhelm you. He says, Fear not. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. You might be in the furnace, and it might not be a pleasant place, but he says, you are not alone. I am there with you. Isaiah 43 says, the fire will not consume you. And that prophetic word come to pass in the book of Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the furnace as three, but when they were saw in there, inside the furnace that was heated seven times normal, the furnace that when the guard went to put them out, the guard was killed. They looked in and saw not three, but they saw four. In the fire with them. And because he's in the fire with you, when you walk through the trial, you can fear not. He is there. That's why David could pen the words, though I walk through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Things may look dark. dark. The New Living Translation says this, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Even when things are the darkest, he is there. When things get a little too hot and everyone else has turned their back on you, he climbs right in the fire with you. Even though you may not always understand exactly why something happens, 
we need to know there's still purpose. As I begin to bring this thing home, you need to know this. Trials bring opportunity. Trials bring opportunity. Before us right now, we have one of the greatest opportunities for the church to be the church. There are needs all around us in the lost and dying world. Cannot afford the church to crawl into a hole out of fear. Friday and Saturday of this week, we didn't close up shop, but instead we as a church were able to um, minister and host 15 churches from across this state. We provided them with a time of training and resourcing. We loaded those 15 churches up with resources to take back into their communities so that they could be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus. Many of you over the last couple of weeks have given time, resources, and energy. You've given, you've brought stuff in here, and Pastor Toby was telling me this morning, he said, listen, all of that stuff that was brought in here has been distributed out. It's been distributed from North Nashville all the way to Cookville. So all the way, the 50-mile uh, tranche or trench or whatever you want to call it, I don't even know the right word there, path from here to Cookville has been touched by you. It's time for the church to be the church in the midst of tragedy. Even though we may not have an answer as to why certain things happen, we do have an answer as this. There is purpose in everything. God will use the church to carry out his will. And in moments of tragedy, if the church would step up and be the church, lives would be impacted. Repentance will come. The saving knowledge of Jesus Christ will be made known to people. Hope will be there. Love, compassion, peace, and comfort. See, during this trial over these last weeks even, many of you have given sacrificially. And you've had to trust God for more. For yourself, for your family. Many of you have given energy and time way beyond what your body felt like it could handle, and you've had to trust God for strength. When you've ministered to hurting families, you've been drawn close to the, to the Lord for words of encouragement to minister to others. Church, could this moment, could this moment in time not be the greatest opportunity for the church to shine. Esther 4 says this, for if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Could God be calling the church right now in the midst of the trial to stand up and stand out for such a a time as this? Could he be calling the church to be the hands and feet during this time of trial? Could he be calling the church, the body? I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the body, the church, me, you, and every believer. Could he be calling us to, be a, to bring calm, peace, strength, giving, 
compassion and love to a hurt world. See, I believe as we pray for the sick, we will see people healed. But I believe it will be for the glory of God. It will be so that the world will know who He is and that there is power in His name. Could people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ over these next days, weeks, and months, could there not be purpose in this trial? Could that not be purpose in this trial? Isaiah says, fear not. Your God, the Holy One, your Savior, your Redeemer, the one who created you, he will not leave you, he will not forsake you. And that one, that one that will not leave you, is saying to you this morning, fear not, trust in me. He's right there in the middle of the fire. Draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And as we go through the trial, remember, he will not leave you. And because he will not leave us, let us be the church that he has called us to be. Let us not walk in fear, but let us shine bright through the trial.